The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Yes, that is so retrograde. Hello, friends. It's your favorite not youngs. I'm Elizabeth Cott. <laughs> Just too old in the building. <laughs> that was actually amazing. I am Stephanie Sambari. That was truly the best part about that, other than the fact that it, you did ne- you never saw her sidelining you coming. <laughs> Obviously, we're talking about Marianne Williams and telling Elizabeth that she's not young. It was my first thought was, bitch, we're not young. Right. But I was like, it's Marianne Williamson. I'm trying to maintain composure. Keep it, Keep it cool. <laughs> Don't fucking nitpick Elizabeth and troll her so hard right now. And then she did the exact thing. But the point that she made actually sparked a yeah. deep level totally. of thought and a major For a lot of shift people. in perspective. Yeah. Because what she was saying is how the media puts us in this corner of not being in our own power. Yeah. And really disempowering us when it comes to being in politics and understanding what's going on. And it's a true thing that we experience in how things are languaged, in how information is disseminated. Like it's all really not speaking to us or making us feel disempowered. And so I was like, yeah. And so I'm just kind of like walking a little taller, trying right. to be more informed. Right. Thanks so much, Marianne, the great spiritual teacher forever and always Checks on a micro, ass. a micro and macro level. So, so funny. Speaking of great spiritual teachers, we had the opportunity to go. Oh my this is a hard gosh. right. And please don't come for me and tell me this is disrespectful to shift into this direction. I think it's perfect. Um, we had the opportunity to go to the country's first Cannabis Cafe brought to you by Lowell Farms on La Brea in West Hollywood. Oh, Lordy, Lordy, Lordy. Did we hit some new dimensions? Okay, really. So (laughs) just some backstory. Lowell Farms is a cannabis company brand in Los Angeles. I I was born in the 90s. (laughs) I mean, in the 80s, I was born in the 90s. You wish. (laughs) You wish. (laughs) (laughs) So Lowell Farms, a cannabis company, there's this whole thing that happened here in West Hollywood where they were giving out licensing to different types of cannabis-related businesses. Yes. So Lowell Farms essentially created and how it works. It's like a quote unquote dispensary that right. serves food. But it's like a full blown like restaurant slash bar. Oh, yeah. But it's, everybody is getting so strong. It's literally like a fucking stoner's fever dream. Like you go inside, picture yourself walking into a regular restaurant where it's like the bars in the front and the foods outside. But you're walking into this bar and they're serving, you know, tonics, teas, coffees, weed drinks, and then everyone is just standing around the high top smoking, smoking joints, which is wild. And like, it seemed really cool. And then I had to go to the bathroom because there's like a weird legality thing where the bathroom can't be inside. It's uh, it's around the back. And I walked to the bathroom by myself after hitting the joint like four times. And I was like, whew, walking to the bathroom at a weed bar is a lot different than walking to the bathroom at a regular bar. It's the whole bar. thing. Literally, I couldn't find it. And then the guy, I go, where is the bathroom? And the guy goes, it's the door that says bathroom on it. LOL, you have to leave the restaurant to go to the bathroom, which I think is a hilarious thing to do to a bunch of high people. But Just, then, <laughs> it's so mean. But I said, and I said that like as I was walking, I caught, and then a employee was like, actually, legally, we can't have yeah. a bathroom. And so I was like, got it. Okay. Cool. Thank you. But for then the you, we sat down for dinner and 
literally, okay, so how it works is you have two different menus because of what Elizabeth said. It's like a dispensary and a restaurant. There's like these weird loopholes where you have to order from two different people. And you so there's can't a order. food waiter yeah. and a cannabis waiter, Cocktail tender, bud tender. tender. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know the jargon yet. No, but one right. thing I loved is all of the bud tenders were like hand picked from different dispensaries throughout LA. And like three of the people we were with recognized their person from their dispensary. That's so fun. Oh, is that how M knew that girl? Yes. LOL. That's so funny. So we ordered a terracotta bong. So chic. We wanted to get a gentle sativa, but they, they ran were out. out. So we got a mellow hybrid. Which I feel that like. That made me a little too stony. Let me just say, I just think in general for a social smoking scenario, which a cannabis cafe would fall under, maybe like. Don't run out. Lean into the sativa options uh, yeah, a little more. Totally. Like, and okay. So there's so many things to say. One thing, it's like really funny to get a bunch of people high and then have them order stuff because that's. Hilarious. Also from two different waiters. We were so high. We couldn't figure yes. out what was going on. Also, it was our friend Gabe Sunday's birthday, who actually he has made a wonderful show called Dope State, which I'm in. If you should watch it, if you can find it. And his podcast. Yeah. Which you can just look up Gabe Sunday. On- it's called The Gabe Sunday Show. Okay, perfect. He is a brilliant, brilliant mind. But, you know, you're sitting around smoking weed for like hours and it's his birthday. And I could tell he's just getting into a spiral. And I'm like fully having to like talk him off a ledge, like give him a back massage. I'm like rubbing his palms and he's like so high. And he looks at me and he's like, you're such a healer. We got like (laughs) high school levels high, no pun intended. When we were driving, so then we had to go to another party and we were driving in an Uber to the Valley and the car was, all of us were having our own internal dialogue. I know that to be true because Lizzo came on in the Uber and none of us like No one acknowledged it. And then it was like dead silent. And I just go, Oh, oy vey. And not knowing that I said that out loud. And then Raviv was like, really? Oy vey? And just a deep sigh. <laughs> like, I'm like, do you know how high we all are? Like, I, in a hindsight, I was like, we should have just all gone around and said what our deepest anxiety was in that moment. I didn't really get much anxiety. I just felt really more stoned than I've been in a really long time. Oh, no. I was spiraling but about, I, like, the Marianne episode I was spiraling about. The guy that I fucked, I was, I was like, in, like, multiple K-holes at the same time, and it was oh not my. okay. Yeah, That scorpionic experience of yours. <sighs> I just drown in myself constantly. But I will say, it did feel like we had popped into the future for a second. I loved it. I felt like... And go with me on this. I yeah. felt like it was the first time I had used an iPad. Like, I will never forget that moment. Right. Because it was like, this is a new wave of where things are moving for us. Yeah. And I feel that. Like, people were there from from all the over. The crowd was so cool. They were there from all over. There was a line around the venue. Hot tip if you're going to go make, make a resi. Yeah. And on top of that, wait, I had something else to say, but I guess I got too high this weekend, so I forgot. Dead. <laughs> <laughs> It'll come to We're me. like, definitely go to the cafe if you want to go brain dead. That I I will say I'm no, I'm not young. <laughs> well, it's hard. I'm a brain. This is the thing that was cool is that, you know, you look around and it's like, yeah, it's kind of a dream where like after you finish a meal, you want to maybe just pass a joint with your friends. Right. And you would do that in your house, but it's cool to do it just like. It Out feels so open. free. Yeah. Oh, I remember what I was going to say. Okay. If we're going to like restaurant business success, yeah. the whole thing is you want to turn over the tables as quick as possible. Yeah. This is my one question is like, we kicked it there for four hours. Yeah. That's why I was like, let's order coffees. Let's order drinks. I was right. trying to like And I keep think us- people are still ordering things and mainly still ordering 
cannabis, which yeah. I think is the goal. Yeah. But it was just a funny thing to, this is what I was thinking about whilst, you know, in my stony self. I was like, wow, what's the business model other than Thank selling weed? But I'm like, does everyone hate me? And <laughs> you're like, how does this I'm make like money? thinking about like all the ways that this could monetize. Yeah. But it's just a funny thing. Like, because we just stayed there for way longer than one normally would at a restaurant. So I'm just interested. Obviously, where were we supposed to go? Remember, we like left and we're like, all right, we're going to call a car. Everyone was saying they were going to call a car. Then we sat down and waited for the car that nobody called. Amsterdam <laughs> levels of confusion on La Brea. <laughs> I mean, but it was just really special. And again, like I will never forget that moment being in yeah. the United States. Yeah. Smoking cannabis out in the open with yeah. my friends at a place where we got to order it on a menu. It's a I far mean, cry from the wild. first time I bought weed from a drug dealer named Bags in a Burger King parking lot. So we've so really evolved. The times they are changing. <laughs> yeah. Great. Well, we've got Jesse Israel back on the show. Super he excited. is a dear friend and the creator of The Big Quiet. Meditator and official yeah. hot guy of That's So Retrograde. We're going to get into all the things that have happened since the last time he was on the show. Mm -hmm. So let's just welcome Jesse Israel to the show. Hi, Jesse. Feels so good to be back. Thanks for having me, ladies. <laughs> it's been like four years since you last joined us on the show. That's Is that wild. crazy? That's wild. So much has happened for all of us. Yeah. It's really cool to kind of track track what's going on. So when you were on the show last, I should have re-listened to it, but from what I remember... Elizabeth, not doing your job once again. <laughs> you know me. <laughs> off the rails. You had written this really cool piece about what it meant to be like a modern man. We were unpacking that. You yourself had been really devoted to your own personal meditation practice. And I know quietly behind the scenes, no pun intended, you were working on kind of like creating space for people to meditate together and talk to us about what that concept has grown into for you. Yeah. So God, four years ago, so we had probably just started having these little group meditations, my buddy's apartment in New York. The first one was, was maybe 20 people or so. And at that time it was a lot of people I knew from the music industry and the tech space and people that, you know, it was like bartenders and DJs. It was it was people that you maybe wouldn't think of as meditating meditators. DJs. Hot, where are they at? <laughs> <laughs> Is that rude to ask? It, it wasn't like your maybe like your typical yogi crew. Was yeah, was my point. And there was something about being quiet together that was kind of awkward, and so not what we were used to living these these really intense lives. And a lot of us really knew about each other through what we saw on the internet, through what we were sharing online. This is, you know, very kind of entrepreneurial, like successful crowd. So there was something weird about just being quiet together, but it felt nice. And at those early gatherings, we also would talk about the real stuff that was going on behind the scenes, behind the things we were sharing on the internet. And what we realized was that a lot of us were going through the same stuff. A lot of people were experiencing anxiety and depression and the stuff that we hear a lot more about now than just four years ago. People weren't talking about it as much, but pretty much everyone that was coming to those gatherings was, was having some experience with it. If it was themselves directly or if it was someone else close to them in their life, people would talk about body image challenges and how hard it was to be on social media secretly, how tough that was. And it just felt good to have space to be able to talk about that with people that you just didn't think were going through it. It was just something really validating, just knowing that everyone was kind of going through the same shit. 
So we just kept meeting up. And it, it was probably right around this time when we were when I was on the show last, when it, when we were just starting to get a little momentum with these gatherings. After maybe five or six months of doing it regularly, we sensed that there was an opportunity to share it with the city at large because we're having like 100 plus people show up, like squeeze into my buddy's apartment. So there was something there that was working. It was like, I think it was the ingredients of being quiet together, being able to talk honestly amongst one another and doing it in a context that felt accessible and not too weird. So we just essentially applied the values of that experience to something large scale. And the first big quiet was born about four years ago. We did the first one at Central Park. It was a partnership with the City Parks Foundation. And we had, you know, it was open to, I think we had 1,500 people. And it just felt good to have that with the city. And we had some awesome musicians perform. There were DJs afterwards, good food. And it's just something about it worked. So I just continued to devote myself and dedicate myself to that work. The first year or so, I couldn't give myself permission to do it because it felt soft. You mean to like go full force with the idea? Yeah. I was like, I was like, I used to run a record label in the tech fund and now I'm like organizing group meditations. It just seemed like small and like weird. Yeah. I mean, it kind of was kind of weird. It is still kind of weird. <laughs> uh, and I was very much in this place of my best friends, very entrepreneurial, building businesses that were growing rapidly, very high valuations, several friends with unicorn startups, meaning that they're worth billion plus dollars in valuation. And I definitely, growing up in Los Angeles and, and growing up in an environment where I think there was a lot of expectation to be successful and entrepreneurial, there was just something really tough for me to say, I'm going to give myself to building community and meditation. It kind of suffered in the process of feeling like there was this thing that I loved that was, that was clicking for people, but I couldn't get past my identity and like the kind of concepts I had around my identity. So it was an interesting challenge. But once I finally gave into it, it was just really fun to run with it. What shifted? Was it an external thing, an internal thing within you? It was the process of just continuously going through and facing the challenge. I would, we would put all this energy into creating an event, a big quiet. We were blessed with the places we were able to do it at. We were doing it at Madison Square Garden and top of the World Trade Center and some really special places. And I'd put a ton of energy into creating this experience. I'd feel into what it would do for people and I would see how I was helping people. That would feel great. It would fill me up and give me like a, a sense of purpose uh, and aliveness that I'd never experienced before. And then a couple of days later, I would get back into my head around well, how is this going to be the next $100 million so-and-so? Mm. Um, how do I talk about this at a dinner party? I'm so sick of being at Thanksgiving and my conservative relatives are like, well, what do you do? <laughs> you know, there was this part of me that just like, just wanted it to be simple and, you know, financially successful right away. I just keep facing it. I'd put my energy into the work. I'd feel how it was of service in some form and how it felt good. And then I would have the challenge and get in my head and all that. And it was just enough of just back and forth, back and forth, kind of remembering, forgetting, remembering, forgetting. It was like a strengthening of a muscle and eventually it reached a place probably within the past year, more recently in my life, where I was able to own it feel very proud about the work that I do and also know that I can redefine success to look at success as something that's more than just how much money you make or what the valuation of your company is. And I think more and more people are starting to redefine success definitely within our generation and also was able to say and start to get really clear that there is a very meaningful way for this to be lucrative. It's starting to become so. 
And that's been really exciting to say, hey, I'm doing it differently. It's an alternative path. The more that I speak up about taking the risk to try it differently, the more I hear people say, I'm interested in shifting or making changes in my lives to give myself to that. But it's scary. It is scary. But career is about moving with the pivots, too. You know, and, and it's interesting. You had a lot of success, quote unquote, early in your life and your career. You had a really cool story. You were managing a pretty successful band out of your college dorm room, right? Mm -hmm. Talk a little bit about that. And I think it's always fun to see how we do start one thing and then able to apply those skills in a completely different right. way. I love that you brought that up because I used to run a record label and manage bands. And now with the work that we do at The Big Quiet, so much of what I learned from the music industry and my relationships in the music industry apply to what we do now at The Big Quiet. The quick backstory is when I was a sophomore at NYU, my college roommate and I started managing the band MGMT. They were students at the time at Wesleyan. And as they grew and our little college dorm room record label grew, we just suddenly became full-time music industry guys while we were also students and signed more bands and just had this really fun run. Eventually had a tech fund and we were investing in startups and it was a really cool journey. And it was about five years ago that I left to figure out what was next. But what I was gonna say was that a really cool moment for me was we did a big quiet at South by Southwest a few months ago. And Miguel, the R&B musician, who's always been someone that I've really admired in the music industry, a musician that I've always loved, performed at this big quiet. He's a big meditator, so it made a lot of sense. And South by Southwest was this thing that I would go to for 12 days every year back when I had my tech fund and my label. This is this really cool moment to return, you know, several years later, have 2,000 people for a big, quiet mass meditation in the middle of South by, have Miguel perform there, to see him talk about it, to see him put it on his social media and say, thanks everybody for meditating with us, the big quiet, and to see like an icon like that talking about the work that we do and something that's important to him, meditation, to see it reaching lots of new people. I was like, this is what it's about. And it's a really cool sort of example of how my past world and my current world have been coming together. It's been happening more and more. It's exciting. I truly lost my mind when I saw that Miguel was performing at Your Big Quiet because <laughs> I fucking love him. But it's true. Like, you know, I think that I go through this and we've talked about this where it's like you kind of create our identity in order to feel safe in life. And then it doesn't always align with like what actually we're supposed to be doing. And it's funny how when you let go a little bit, you start to see them merging together. Like I've had a, definitely a few challenges this year where I was like, why am I here? And then I look back, I'm like, oh, of course, like 10 years of standup, like made this possible. Like you don't recognize at the time how things are going to align. And it takes staying in it through those really challenging questioning times. Even what I was expressing before we started recording about how I'm in another one of those moments, it's like you just have to keep going. And sometimes the answer is to not look for a definition. I love that. I think that's so spot on. And I think that that's a very tough concept to click with and to connect yeah. with this idea of it's okay for it to not be defined. It's okay to not know. Yeah. And I think the reason why that's so challenging is because our culture, and in many ways, the ways that we've grown up in the society we live in, there's so much energy placed on getting really clear about what you do, what your path is. There's lots of planning. Mm -hmm. This starts for us, started for me, like at a very young age, going to like a pre-college prep school and then right. going to a college prep school and then you know, working my <laughs> ass off to go to NYU. It's just, you know, coming from a wealthy family in Los Angeles, the amount of money that like got dumped into my tutors. And I used to go do this thing to like raise my SAT scores where I would put these electrodes on my head 
and literally play a video game using my brainwaves. It's called neurobiofeedback. Oh, my God. It's like a form of like mindfulness through a computer. I had what they said, severe ADHD. Yeah. So I like, luckily, my family was able to invest in these tools to keep me on this path. And that situation is a whole other conversation, especially now with all the weird shit that's happening with money and privilege and, and education. But I was very much on this path to have it kind of planned out. You mm-hmm. go here, you go here, you go here, here, here. And if you look at it for a lot of people, especially a lot of people in our country, that path is when you graduate from school, you get a job and then you fall in love, love, quotation marks, have some babies, buy a car to get a home, maybe a second home, retire, die. And that even starts precursing that of like when we're kids, what do you want to be when you grow up? And then right. you're, the path laid out for us is at 18, we're supposed to kind of choose that avenue. It's can be really stifling for anyone who wants to just follow the call. Not all who wander are lost, (laughs) y'all. We're just looking for our fucking purpose, all right? It's like we're always up against, like, proverbial, like, conservative uncle in the sky, kind of. (laughs) So true. And I think that's why those holidays are so triggering, because it's like they're asking the questions in the way that you're asking them to yourself, but it's, like, externalized with also, like, from a person who never— gave themselves the luxury of exploration. So it's really their own issue that they're putting back on you. Like, I remember when I wanted to be an actress, everyone was like, what, are you just going to, like, move to L.A. and, like, become an actress? Isn't that, like, so trite? You know, nobody makes it. That was what I got all the time. I'm like, just because you fucking decided to do the normal thing and now you're Miz doesn't mean that I have to follow that path just to prove your point that nothing works. Like, that's all it is. It's, like, their own validation. Yeah, and I find that it's so common when we— start to dedicate ourselves to what I refer to as the alternative path, how common it is for people to just barf their anxieties on you. Just like what you saw when you were thinking about moving to LA and acting. And it takes a lot of strength and courage to face that shit. Yeah. Plus your own shit around my path is different. What is this going to look like for me? How am I going to talk about this? How am I going to be seen? How am I going to make a living? All the things that we go through. Yeah. You know, like there are so many pieces to it that require a lot of a lot of strength. Yeah, it's also I've found it to be very isolating to do it differently. Mm-hmm. You kind of feel like you're out on your own. Well, let's pause. Pause. We got to give love to our partners today, Rothy's, another sustainable and cool brand. Thanks so much for existing, Rothy's. We're loving that you're comfortable. We're loving that you're stylish. And as Steph said, we're loving that you're sustainable. They're made from water bottles, people. Yeah, if you're just tuning in and you're like, what is Rothy's? It's a sustainable shoe that is made from recycled plastic water bottles through a very, very cool process of turning the plastic into a soft, thread-like material. They have... A few different styles, the flat, the point, the loafer for women and girls. And they just recently launched a very cool slide sneaker. I know they have a slide sneaker and then they have a high top sneaker that just came out. And they're machine washable. But here's what. I often go to rothys.com and check out their new releases because they do like these limited run new releases. And there's this merino collection. Okay. And there's a camel color. Oh. And I was didn't check quick enough because they're out of my size. No. My dream Rothy's creation is not available in my size, but they have it in that high top sneaker and the low top sneaker. So I might have to settle, but it's really cute. So if anyone is a size 10 and a half, they still have your size in the pointy, <laughs> but not the six and a half. You with a size moi. 10 and a half would be literal clown. I would fall over myself. <laughs> but I'm that much of a fan of Rothy's that I'm like, 
keeping my eye out and getting deeply disappointed if I miss my size. Yeah. They're creating quite the uh, uproar online. Yeah. And if you live in L.A., they opened a store on Larchmont. So you can go check that out. Or if you're not in L.A., you can go to rothys.com, enter retrograde, and you can get your shoes with free shipping. And free returns. Okay. So it's basically a no-brainer. Comfort, sustainability, free shipping. And they're backed by my mom's taste, which is very high. So Jill Simbari approved. Yeah. (laughs) Back to the show. Can I ask you how has not only meditating, but like leading meditations, those are two obviously very different things. How has that kind of shifted, you know, you said like extreme ADHD and like these things that you were carrying into that practice. How has your meditation practice kind of changed your anxiety and ADHD relationship? Because it's like, I don't think those things really go away. We just learn how to like be friends with them. I love that. I think that's that's such an important framing. Yeah. And it can be really easy to look at practices like meditation or a lot of things in the wellness space as these cure-alls. Right. I think mainly because, I love to talk about this too separately. I want to answer your question. But yeah. mainly because I think that the way that products and businesses and brands in the wellness space are marketed and present themselves mm-hmm. as these images of perfection it's like light. the fucking beauty industry 20 years ago has just been <laughs> transferred onto healing and it's so <laughs> fucked up. Like, buy this product, then you'll be perfect. It's like, wait, no, this was supposed to be the antithesis to that. And yet we can't because we're consumerists. It's all fucked up. Anyway, sorry. I agree. And this part of why I love this podcast, because I think that, that you ladies are taking a stab at embracing the good stuff, but also bringing a lot of the humanness and the realness to it, which is important. Yeah. And I think for all the listeners out there, it's so important to take a stance to do it differently because what I'm seeing more and more as I just dive into this work and meet lots of really wonderful, well-intentioned people in the wellness space is that the more we present our businesses and products and brands in this perfect light, the more we're just turning off people outside of a niche. Yeah, The niche doesn't need to be hit with more of it because they're already in it. Mm -hmm. The opportunity, in my opinion, this is is really what I focus on with the Big Quiet, is how do we make this stuff accessible to the people who see the current approach and presentation as whack? Yeah. Yeah. Straight up. That's not language that I use around it, but I hear it a lot. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, man, it sucks that that, that that's the response that people have is, ooh, before I can even explore something like meditation or healing modalities, or whatever it may look like, they're not even going to be able to give it a shot because it feels uncool. And the reason why it feels uncool is because it's unrealistic. Yeah. You're like, I'm not using the language back, but like you get it. You get why they would feel that way. And that's why you're creating this in the way that you're creating. The fun is softening the barrier to entry. Of course. And like being part of this democratization that's happening. Like you don't have to fit the like quote unquote like stigma of a meditator. Like your partner's Michelob Ultra for instance, which I think is really cool. And it's fun to see these different brands that you might not- The water of beer. (laughs) Exactly. The lighter (laughs) of the beers that you might not necessarily think would be a natural, quote unquote, natural fit for something. And then when they're kind of pivoting into that world as well, it's just, at the end of the day, it's just exposure to this, this really pure, beautiful thing. So it's almost like it's cool to buck the trend and like kind of take away any stigmas, which is what you're doing. The really unique opportunity is to find the middle ground, like Steph's mentioning. Yeah. You know, as we see beer brands like Michelob Ultra, owned by Anheuser-Busch, one of the largest product brands in the world, become interested in, in the wellness space or in meditation, I think that there's an opportunity 
to embrace, but there is also an opportunity to, to bring integrity to what we care about, why we're all in the wellness space in the first place. To make fucking money. No, <laughs> Get rich while being chill about it. Right? I mean, there, there's no doubt about it that like uh, building a for-profit business within this space, I'm, I'm paying attention to money for sure. But I also love these unique cultural moments. Like for me with Michelob Ultra, when they approached us about doing a mass meditation together, my first instinct was, well, it doesn't make sense to serve alcohol at an event we're about to meditate because drinking alcohol defeats and blocks the benefits of meditation. That makes no sense. Even if this like brand that reaches so much of the country and world wants to be a part of it, if it's going to counter the benefits of meditation, it makes sense. But the opportunity for us was to say, well, the big quiet team, including myself, we all drink. We don't drink before we meditate. We, right. we drink after, you know, we, we have fun. I like a nice beer every now and then, maybe a fine mezcal. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> the product that we did this this big quiet with, with Michelob Ultra was for this new organic beer. It's like a premium beer. I was like, I'd fuck with that for sure. I tried it. I was like, this is a nice beer. But we can't do an event together if it's not in line with how people should be using this product with right. meditation. So the approach was, are you willing to make a statement for drinking mindfully, which is something that I'm a very big proponent of, which is it's not about not drinking if you choose to drink. It's just about being smart about how you drink. As we said to the to the beer brand, are you willing to make a statement about that by not actually serving your alcohol until the big quiet's done, which is a huge risk for a big brand to take, especially when they're investing a lot of money. Why? Because people might leave? No, just because when, it, when a huge brand puts that much capital into an event, I mean, Having someone like Miguel this is not a cheap event, right? Right. When a brand puts a lot of money into an event and their product isn't there from the start, right? That is very, very untraditional. But they went for it and they were willing to make that. And the alcohol was served once the big quiet ended, and then it turned into this great party. And they were actually praised for it. Adweek did a bunch of great stuff on them. It's really cool video stuff with them. People seem to really like the experience. It felt organic, and to me, that's a, an opportunity to embrace this type of stuff, what we're talking about, while also doing it in a way that feels in line with what we ultimately care about. And I think that sweet spot is important. I feel like we skipped over the question of like you as the leader and the meditator and the meditation leader. Oh yeah, that's right. That's fine. <laughs> I just really <laughs> want to go back to it. <laughs> so I obviously asked you, you know, how, how you've changed. You don't have to answer that if it's something you don't want to go into, but what is sort of like the style and the foundation of what you're doing in your meditation when you lead it for the people? The style? Yeah. The what was it? What is it that you asked before? I was cool to answer it. I just can't remember what I was. I was asking how using meditation has shifted and kind of empowered your predisposition towards a certain hyperactivity of the brain oh, or right. anxieties like or whatever the things that you felt, you know, how, as we all have those things. Yeah. Okay. How has it shifted you? I'll speak so to it's that a first. Double, it's a double question. Double Q? Yeah. Well, without a doubt, when I was in my early 20s, I started getting panic attacks. Mm -hmm. And oh, they were so brutal. I was getting it bad and it was so confusing to me because I was in my early 20s. I was running this label that was growing and everything, you know, just appeared to be great and successful. So the fact that I was having these tough moments internally was very jarring for me. And mm -hmm. it, there wasn't as much conversation around it then as there is now. And I didn't feel like I could really talk about it with my peers, my family or friends. So I, I started looking into my own means to cope and to work through it. That's how I found meditation. Okay. I also started seeing a therapist. I also started taking an SSRI called Lexapro. Mm -hmm. Shout out Lexapro. I'm sure we got some Lexapro users out there. <laughs> Controversial uh, <laughs> substance. For me at that time, those three things were all very helpful. That's great. 
And meditation was the one that for me felt like it was the most helpful. Mm -hmm. And the more I did it regularly, for me, I learned Vedic meditation, which is similar to TM and I was practicing and I still do twice a day. Mm -hmm. um, I found that the more I was doing it regularly, the more I was able to wean off of and take less of my Lexapro. Mm -hmm. um, eventually felt like I didn't need to go see a therapist once a week. It started to give me, I guess, a, a, a strong standing, <clears throat> excuse me, with myself. Mm -hmm. And it was incredibly helpful. And it's been this, this really huge tool for me. I mean, today, let me jump back. A couple of years ago, I was in this position where I was leading mass meditations for thousands of people mm -hmm. and I trained to be a meditation teacher and was starting to teach people and train people. And one of the most confronting things about that was that I was still experiencing anxiety sometimes. I'd still have depressive periods. I'd still feel stress. And there was this interesting shift period where I was like, I'm this guy up here. I got my Britney mic leading these yeah, big you meditations. Do. <laughs> Important. Like I'm supposed to be this meditation man yeah. that doesn't experience these things. And <laughs> hashtag meditation man. <laughs> a new superhero <laughs> coming at you. I had this phase where I just felt like a, you know, it was just imposter syndrome mm -hmm. shit. I think it's really common for people who start to step into the role of teaching or leading. It really brings up our own shit. It can be really confronting. What I've grown to learn is that it's it's been my experiences with things like anxiety or in the past, panic attacks, depression, that have allowed me to feel more human, that have allowed me to really relate to the people that I teach or that I meet at our events. And when I have periods like that, which still happen sometimes, if I'm able to welcome them, like you said, Steph, and understand that they serve a purpose, mm -hmm. not necessarily try to fight them to death, but to find ways to embrace those challenges, which is usually a process of accepting and allowing, mm -hmm. they start to melt. Mm. And I learn a lot about myself along the way. And I've had a couple periods since I've been doing this, this work with the Big Quad over the past four years that have been really dark, really tough. Mm -hmm. I've led mass meditations where backstage right before I'm going up there, I'm like, I'm so sad and just going through it, just like feel anxiety coursing through my body, just unrelated to big quiet, just like from whatever. I've just grown to appreciate those experiences, even though they're very uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Since I've been able to take on more of that approach, I found that I'm able to I'm able to work through this stuff mm -hmm. um, in a more meaningful and I think swifter way. Yeah. And my meditation practice, and this is true with meditation to get back to your original question, boosts self-awareness. Yeah. And the more that we're able to have a heightened sense of ourselves and the experiences that, we're ha that we have, we're, we're able to say, mm, I'm feeling that anxiety in my chest. It's uncomfortable, but it's also okay. There's a lot of reasons why I'm having this experience in my life. Mm -hmm. Millions, hundreds of millions of other Americans. I don't know if that's an actual stat. I think it's one in four Americans experience mental health, but it's some huge number. Yeah. Go through this as well. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. I do think that having a meditation practice, while it does reduce stress and anxiety just through what happens physiologically when we practice and biologically, and how it shifts the nervous system from a fight or flight state to a relaxation response state. In addition to that, having self-awareness for when we're experiencing these tough personal moments and to be able to embrace them and bring love to them, really helpful. It is not a cure-all, though. Right. Well, I mean, nothing is. Yeah. Life is, this is life. It's not easy. 
But I think exactly like when you name something and you say it's okay, that makes it a thousand times easier. And the more awareness that you cultivate, like it was hard for me and I know it's so hard for so many people to just say like, I feel this way and that's okay. And instead of saying, I feel this way and I wish I didn't. There's something you can do about the way that you feel aside from letting it wave over you Mm. and before you can even think about looking in another direction. I love that. For me, like the whole thing. Sitting in the fire Mm -hmm. in our culture and the society we live in now. There's so much sort of naming around what you do and the path and the plan. I also think that in our culture right now, there's a lot of, if you don't feel well, fix it. it that's why we're all feeling like we need to be quickly fixing, going on medication, doing this, doing that. Not right. that there's anything wrong with those things, but it's like, why are we in a state where we feel like we shouldn't feel things? I think it's because our society is built on swiftness at right. the moment. Because Maybe. it's like everything is just rapid fire, news cycle. Like no time for feelings. Creating information, disseminating it, all of it's coming at us in such this rapid pace that to be able to sit with emotions is actually like an event, such as like what you're doing. It's like, hey, let's all just be quiet for yeah. a second because there's very little opportunity where that's supported in the world. This feels like a really good time mm. to give love to one of our advertisers. You're right. You're always partners. right. Well, not always. Sometimes. But I like that idea. So let's <laughs> go with it. So Buffy. Yeah. Hi. Buffy makes betting that is earth-friendly and cruelty-free. That's all there is to say. And it's so comfortable and like such a temperature regulator, which is huge yes. for people living in these crazy temperate times. So you and I both have what's called the breeze style of comforter. And Mm -hmm. it's like no more night sweats, guys. Get cozy without overheating. It's made from 100% eucalyptus fiber and they use only sustainable and recycled materials. And I love it. They say it's as soft on the planet as they are in your bed. And it's so true. And shout out to my Scentsy Skin people. It's hyperallergenic. Plus, its high thread count shuts out dust, mold, and mites for a healthier sleeping environment. Yeah. And with the thread count, if you have a dog, the fur doesn't like It like wicks off. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh, so good. And Buffy offers a free trial. So you can try a comforter in your own bed for free. If you don't love it, return it at no cost. Or just send it to one of us. Yeah. So when I moved, I got the Buffy. This eucalyptus material, I've never experienced it before. So I was like, I don't know. I was a little questionable about it. And the more and more I slept on it, the more obsessed I got with it. Yeah. And I just really prefer an earth-friendly option at this point because, hey, we've only got one. So let's love it. Yeah. This flat earth. (laughs) (laughs) guess what we're flat earthers just kidding (laughs) so if you guys head over to buffy.co enter the code retrograde you're gonna get twenty dollars off your buffy comforter as we said you can try it and if you don't love it return it at no cost again that is buffy.co promo code retrograde twenty dollars off stay cozy get after it back to the show i feel like even like with us you know like last week you got back from new york and we were both like so fucking just spent and wrecked. We did the most. And we talked on Monday and she was like, what's your week like? And I felt like I had to say, and this is like, you know, we have the luxury of running our own show so we can kind of have these conversations. But being like, I feel like I just need to go really slow this week. And like most people, you know, we have jobs, we have things to show up for our families. It's really hard to be able to like ask for that and then take it. And I'm so grateful that we can, but I just recognize that that's not something that is really easy to say, ask for, or necessarily accessible. And that's why something like a meditation practice can create that space for you when you don't have the luxury of creating it for yourself in your work. And also, to your credit, making it this like cool, fun event where 
You had two last night here in L.A. at the Hollywood Forever Cemetery, which was amazing. We had so many friends who were there and posting about it. And it was just so exciting to see everybody kind of coming together on a Sunday night in the name of stillness and it being having like a really high cool factor along with it. Mm -hmm. That's like a really special ingredient that can bring people to something that can really serve them. Mm. It's beautiful. I love your points about rest, making space to rest. Yeah. Essentially what I'm hearing from you on that. It's meditation is in in my opinion, almost like an accelerated means for rest. Yeah. Like when we sit with our eyes closed and we practice, we have a learning technique. What it does to the body and how it generates rest is, is, is pretty incredible. It's a huge part of what the benefits come from. Yeah. Talk about the science another time, but even if we don't have a meditation practice, (laughs) even if we don't have a meditation practice, just making space for ourselves to rest guilt-free to just have some non-phone time or some non-work time Mm -hmm. is so helpful we had this really cool opportunity on thursday we were in atlanta for the big quiet and on thursday morning we went over to coca-cola headquarters speaking of large oh damn beverage brands (laughs) (laughs) we do a lot of work with coca-cola and smart water and i do a lot of work with their executives too we brought the big quiet to 500 female executives at coke for this leadership conference that they had. And I also spoke, they asked me to speak about toxic stress and the role that meditation plays in that. And at the end, I was doing my spiel where I talk about some of the tips to help people avoid burnout because so many people in corporate culture and just in general, just insane burnout paths. But I talk about having non-work time and non-phone time and just making space to rest and giving yourself permission to do it, disconnecting from this concept that if we're resting or if we're not doing something, we're lazy. There's another one of these cultural messages that I just think is so off right now. Yeah. And yeah. it's crazy. Like when I was talking about this shit, I'm not, not trying to like position myself as a pastor, but you ever seen like someone giving a sermon and in the audience, your people are going like, mm-hmm, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm up here at, at Coca-Cola, like speaking to executives and I'm talking about rest. And that's the type of response I was getting. People are like, you could hear it in the room. People are just so putting down hung. their diet cokes. <laughs> yeah, that People might be the first step. Burping, but we don't want putting to step down on a any, diet coke. Any sponsored toast? Diet coke is literally like my. It, I think of it as a drug. Like when I want to get fucked up and go super fast, I drink a diet coke. <laughs> It's the opposite of what we're talking about. No, I know, but I'm just saying, like that's what it is. So of course they feel that way. I just thought it was so interesting to see that when people are given permission to take a break. Yeah not even a meditation, just just to like not do anything, Mm -hmm. how people are like vocalizing that they want that and looking at each other and being like, yes, this is what we need. Because I do think this ties to a much bigger issue. And I think this has a lot to do with why the big quiet has grown and is becoming successful is because of just how go, go, go our our culture is and just the amount of information and input that we're processing regularly and this the expectations to output and to reach goals and to post and to share and to achieve and did, did, did all this shit. It's just so much. Mm-hmm. There's an interesting stat. Uh, the amount of information that we process in one day is equal to the amount of information we would process in our entire lives when we existed in tribes, which is how we've existed for a million plus years. That's an insane statistic. In one day, it's crazy. What? And it makes a ton of sense too. So And what's so interesting about this is part of why meditation is so important right now in our world. When our bodies are experiencing that much information, it's overload for the nervous system. It's it's burdening our bodies and our brains. 
simply because our bodies from a physiological and biological standpoint haven't caught up with the evolutionary changes to be able to handle and hold that much in the very short period of time that we've shifted from living a much simpler life mm. to a very complex life. It's only been 13,000 years. Say 15,000 years ago to play it safe, pre-agricultural evolution, pretty much everybody lived in tribes. We were hunters and gatherers. We had these communities where we had to contribute. We were looking out for each other. We were getting out there, taking care of kids together, gathering food together, eating food together, praying together. There's also, there was just, there were a lot of challenges, obviously, that came with this lifestyle, but there was a, there was a lot Scurvy. of togetherness. <laughs> <laughs> That's the top one. Shit like that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that was introduced post-agricultural yeah. revolution. That was from like across the sea That was like some whites. bubonic shit. Yeah. Bubonic plague shit. That was yeah. an early time. Yeah. Those are maybe some signs that we were, that we were on a funky path. Yeah. Should have slowed down then. Some past life regression work we yeah. need to be doing. Like, <laughs> I'm so stressed because I got scurvy on a boat in 1840. Fuck. But point being that it's it's really only been about 13,000, 15,000 years since we've had these changes. But our bodies are used to having lived this other way for over a million years. It takes a nice chunk of time for our bodies to shift evolutionarily and biologically. So, you know, we, we have the systems that are designed for a very different way, a much simpler way of living that are now operating in the face of a lot. If someone comes to you and they're like, Jesse, I want to be meditating. I've got a lot of resistance. Where do I start? Well, the first thing that I encourage people to do is to learn, actually learn how to do it. Surprisingly, a lot of times people will just sit there and close their eyes and be like, I think this is what meditation is. And they run this track of my brain's racing. That's not supposed to happen when I meditate. I'm a bad meditator. Meditation's not for me. This happens all the time. Right. So there's just so many things that are misconceptions that are built into that experience. The first is that it's great, or what I recommend is to learn, even if that's just downloading Calm Headspace, One Giant Mind, one, you know, one of these meditation apps. Happy Not Perfect. Is that an app? Yeah, it's like a great it's mindfulness great. app. Yeah. Sounds cool. So just having some sort of a, a tool or means to learn, also learning with a teacher, doing a training. I train people, but some starting point is great. The second thing that I speak to is for people to drop their expectations around meditation. There really is this enormous misconception that if our brains race when we meditate, then we're bad meditators. I've heard that so many times. I'm bad at all, it. I hear it all the time. Bad at it. Oh, meditation is not for me. And I say this at every big quiet now multiple times, which is that when our minds wander, when we practice, it, it doesn't make us bad meditators. It just makes us human. Mm -hmm. This is how our brains work. And it's actually based on the style of meditation. There's different ways to embrace how our minds wander. Some of the more traditional Buddhist forms of meditation use a bit more control and focus in the technique. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes those are seen as the ways that we're supposed to meditate in media, like this type of like, I'm doing like the fingery mudra thing, mm -hmm. sitting like on a beach with my legs crossed with like stones and whatever that like kind of hallmark wellness <laughs> meditation images. Yeah. yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> There's this idea that like that means the brain is still and that mm -hmm. is Zen and that is good meditation. There's so many other ways to embrace meditation that go beyond these Buddhist practices. The style of meditation that I, I practice and teach comes from the Hindu lineage. It's also like thousands of years old. But we welcome our thoughts. We use a mantra when we practice. So it's not about clearing your mind of thoughts. So for a lot of people, they go, oh, wow, we can meditate and have this very different experience. The style of meditation that I practice and teach, you think the mantra very gently and it allows the mind and body to settle and you actually kind of move past your thoughts very naturally and effortlessly. It's beautiful. So I encourage people to drop the expectations around 
what they think is supposed to happen when they meditate. Mm-hmm. And that could be really helpful. And then the third piece that I speak to is to create some form of accountability for yourself. When I first started practicing, it was eight or nine years ago, I would use this little app. Now I use it with all my students that I've ever taken my training, where after I meditate in the morning, I would just mark in my app. It was like a little check mark. And the more days in a row that I was doing it, the more it built up this streak. I was just essentially gamifying it for myself. A lot of the meditation apps have this built into it. Yeah. Yeah. There's some form of a reward or having a practice buddy, meditating with a partner, with a roommate. It really helps. The accountability piece is so important. If you look at a lot of the, the lineages of meditation, there are two key pieces to having a practice. One is you actually learn how to meditate. Not that complex, but you need to have some sort of guidance or training. And the second piece is that you have community to practice with. Mm-hmm. The second one gets lost a lot. This is part of why I'm so passionate about the work that we do, bringing people together to meditate. And we have monthly events in New York where people gather regularly. Is that it's great to learn and to know how to meditate on our own. It's actually very important. It's required to be a meditator. But having community to practice in, to have that accountability with, is this huge part that's often missing and lost. So if we don't have access to those types of groups, then finding ways to sort of build that sense of community into our own lives or with a partner, like I mentioned, or some form of accountability is really helpful. Thanks so much, Jesse. (laughs) (laughs) Tell our listeners where they can find you Uh, in the Big Quiet. So Big Quiet, you can find at The Big Quiet on Instagram. And you can find me at Jesse Israel on Instagram. And we do have other Big Quiet events that happen. Our tour does end on the 27th of October. But we have events that happen throughout the year. You can learn about those at thebigquiet.com or on our Instagram. Amazing. Congratulations on everything. It's been so fun to watch. Thanks for coming back. Uh, Thanks for having me back. It's such a treat to reconnect with you ladies. I love talking about all this stuff. We do too. Today's Roses and Thorns is brought to you by Verilux. The Happy Life. Have you heard of it? I have, and I'm such a big fan. You know that more than 80% of people with low energy fatigue or the winter blues may expect to benefit from light therapy, much like my recommendation of staring directly into the sun, except much safer. (laughs) Exactly. So I'm a huge fan of this Happy Light. It actually got put on our radar And we used it. And then they're one of those that we like loved. And then they decided to work with us in a more official capacity. You know how we have like manifest destiny? What's manifest like advertisement? I don't know. (laughs) Something like that. Verilux falls under that category. So I have this little corner in my kitchen that doesn't really get much light. And that's where I keep my happy light. Mm -hmm. So when I'm waking up in the morning, making my little tonic or coffee, I have it on. And and it really works if it's kind of in their peripheral vision. You're not supposed to really stare directly at it. Mm-hmm. It just kind of illuminates the space. And yeah. I swear it helps me wake up. And I feel like it's the perfect thing as we're going into like the darker mornings. Yeah. It's a great way to help you wake up and help you feel energized, especially in the colder months. Well, as the seasons change, our circadian rhythms tend to get a little jacked up. And with the happy light... It can help improve healthy sleeping patterns to get you ahead of daylight savings time, which actually starts on my birthday. Hello. And gets your circadian rhythm into a good flow. It can also help with jet lag and it boosts mood and increased energy. And it just like makes you feel cool. Yeah. And so it comes in an iPad-esque yeah. shape and yeah. there's like a mini and then there's the regular size. We got a text from your cousin asking which one we like. Hi, Brady. Hi, Brady. I like them both. I think it depends the space that you're using them yeah. for, but know that both are lovely and do the trick. Yeah. And it comes with a little stand that you can remove. You can really kind of make it work for the space. And it's also a really good makeup light. 
Ooh, hot Just tip. letting you know. So go to Verilux, that's V-E-R-I-L-U-X dot com, enter code retrograde, get yourself a happy go life. Go to town. Yeah, that's Verilux.com, code retrograde. Now let's rose and thorn. Yay. This is one of our roses. <laughs> <laughs> Roses and thorns. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Remember that old jingle? <laughs> Not really. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what was that one? Like season one before we had actual music. And we go, roses and thorns. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I wish I didn't remember that. Anybody remember that? No. <laughs> Let's it's not. It's a thing. Trust. I remember. You down with RNT? Yeah, you Yeah, know but that me. was somebody else. She made it, but then we couldn't use it because of like licensing. Yeah. But that was really good. Emma Scott Music. Yeah, thanks, girl. Shout out. Sorry about that. Should we go worse for first or roses before poses? <laughs> That's not a thing. Go worse for first. Okay. Thorns are on my end. Although, Rose, it's Scorpio season. Hi. Let everyone know. What's up? <laughs> Who's trying to fuck? No. My thorn, I have two of them. Let's start with the one that is relevant to the show, shall we? So I wanted to address two things that came up in regards to last week's episode. Cute. Y'all know I can be a little controversial. First things first. I had said in my description of my date from hell that people who aren't healed shouldn't be dating. And I think I may have offended some people. And look, that is never my intention. Elizabeth says it best. I just say stuff sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) But I have Mercury and Sag, guys. I can't help it. Just ask (laughs) Deborah Silverman Astrology. The truth is, what I meant is that you know yourself and you know where you are. Most people have a a sense of where they are on their journey of like self and healing. Obviously, we're never healed. Otherwise, we would be dead. I don't believe that we ever get to a point in our lives where we're like completely like, now I'm ready for a relationship. Now I can really, it's like, you just meet someone, you guys figure it out and you grow together and you heal together. That's fine. What I meant is that this man clearly knew he was not in a good place. Not in a good place. And he clearly knew that he was not a kind person. In fact, he said to me, just so you know, I'm not a kind person. So you're literally saying to me, it's kind of your goal to hurt people. Mm-hmm. That's what I was referring to, that you shouldn't be doing that. And that's very obvious. I'm not talking about if you are struggling with depression or anxiety or any other mental health issues. I'm not talking, you're worthy of love. You should date. Love can heal you in that way. And also we're, as you said, just to reiterate, we're all in a, in the healing journey. Of course. So of course. I think that's the purpose of this show. Yes. Yeah. So I just want to say like, if in any way that rubbed people the wrong way or was offensive because you felt like I was somehow attacking you. Really what I meant is that pieces of shit shouldn't date people. Thanks for Claire. You know, I mean, does it, does that help though? Yeah. No, I mean, I don't care. I know you don't care, but I care that if people are getting hurt and that's not our vibe ever. And I think that I might've been a little bit like rogue with my description just because I was being vague with how I was describing the situation because I didn't want to like out him. And it was a lot of just weird shit. Like when I left his house, I was like, that was psychological warfare. And there's no reason for that person to be going on dates. That's it. You know, if he's looking to just like fuck people, then put that out there. But he wouldn't even do that because I think he's a- You tried. No, because I I did. (laughs) I literally kissed him and he goes, ugh. (laughs) <laughs> I was like, okay, oh my God. gotta go. Um, okay, and then my second thing, kind of similar on that tip, obviously. Can you tell we got feedback last week? Yeah, a lot of, coming in <laughs> hot, guys. Thanks a lot. 
on that tip, but you know, I'm growing. I'm sure you guys can tell there's been years where if you came for me, I'd be like, fuck your trigger. And now I'm like learning and growing and trying to evolve. Someone on iTunes said they didn't want to send the episode to their auntie because I talked about my pussy and newsflash, your auntie has a pussy. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. <laughs> that was guys. not an apology at all. <laughs> here's the thing. The show, we're all the things. Yeah. We're equally Steph's pussy hijinks as we are <laughs> holistic mindfulness in politics. Yes. And if this doesn't resonate, that's fine. Yes. That's our show. Yes. And I feel like maybe give your family a little bit more credit or be like, after the interview, shut it down. She's going to start talking about dating a sociopath. But I didn't say anything that bad even. Is this an apology or am I doubling down? <laughs> I can't tell. I don't know. Maybe people can write in and let us yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. Let us know. The point is, we are who we are. We love you. Please love us as we are. And pretty soon, I won't have to complain about these things because everything's going to be flowing just fully and nicely for me in that department. Ooh. Yeah. Posy fairy vibes. Speak it into the universe, okay? Oh. <laughs> um, well said. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. On a rose, I'm just going to turn the page. Yeah, sure. I want to give love to our live event yes. that we did at the Den last week. That was so cool. With Shannon Aganza. Ugh. Thank you to everyone who came. It was so special. The whole vision for these shows at the Den was like- That's a, a retrograde unplugged? Exactly. Like an MTV unplugged. Like think about like the Mariah Carey Emotions album mm-hmm. performed acoustic. It's That's a retrograde acoustic. <laughs> Yeah. So we're actually, so everybody came, they got like a five minute reading. It was really cool. It was so special. Who's in possible. I think one of the um, guests was like, I've been on your waiting list for like a year. Yeah. So it was so cool to facilitate because really the vision behind this is to give our audience here in LA a face-to-face experience with our most treasured guests, yeah. which was so special. Yeah. And we had some really fun little goodies. I want to shout them out because it was a really good gift bag. I yeah. really indulged when I got home. Clutch Wait, nails. I haven't gotten it. Give me my gift bag, bitch. <laughs> Clutch nails. Like press-ons. Press-on nails that look so real they and do. are so fab. And um, They were my inspo for starting to get, real, to get nails again. So good. Yeah. Lime Crime gave us this hair glitter spray that was so fab. And then Sackville & Co. is this very, very cool company out of New York City that does these very elevated papers and different like That's what I want. smoking device sort of things for uh, your cannabis cafe goer, if you yeah, shall. Yeah, if you will. Um, and are they the ones that gave us these stickers? Yes. Oh, guys, we have these stickers on our phones now, and it's a picture of the moon. It said the moon is high, and so am I. So you guys have to check out them and our next event is November 21st. We've renamed it. It's called That's So Retrograde Unplugged. Yeah, come through. And Megan Wallace James is going to be joining us, our feng shui queen. And it is going to be a really cool interactive conversation around modern feng shui. You're going to get your specific questions answered and it's going to be quite fun. We went to a salon with Carolyn Barron and Megan this week. And I just have to say, the intersection of acupuncture and feng shui is fascinating. And their chemistry and conversation and the way they were interweaving the subjects together was just really, really cool. It was amazing. So also, you know, keep your eyes peeled for for those things that they're posting because it's Definitely. really sick. Definitely. Yeah. Do you have a rose? Do I have a rose? Well, I actually have another thorn, which is that my sweet, sweet dog, Carlos, went to the vet on Saturday. And when I returned to him... He had had all of his teeth removed. So 
He's a gummy baby now from now on. I know that was like a hard piece of information to receive, but I think that in the long run. It's so much better. His mouth doesn't smell bad anymore. He's not going to die of some like weird organ failure because of death creeping into the gums as Fran Drescher reminded us. It's so bizarre to like when he opens his mouth and it's like just gum. I just keep thinking like he woke up on a Saturday with teeth and they went to bed on a Saturday without teeth. Like it's so weird. Such is life. I know, but we found out through his medication protocol that he enjoys uh, artisanal sheep's milk vanilla yogurt to take his pills. So the apple doesn't fall far from the (laughs) cunty mom tree. That's so retrograde. It really is. Well, I'm sorry about Carlos's teeth, but I'm happy about the breath. I'm being real. Same. Honestly, that was really always a barrier to entry for us to have a deep relationship. For most people with him, I know. It's weird. It's one of the things I really loved about him. It was like this like cute little part. And Mm -hmm. now he smells so good. Wow. So anyone that meets him now will never know old Carlos. Wow. I know. Wow, wow, wow. He's about to fuck it up in this world. Ch-ch-ch-changes. Second life, Carlos. As you mentioned, we had this little reading with Deborah Silverman Astrology. Oh my God, I can't wait for her to come on the show. She'll be on in a couple weeks. And one of the things in my chart, which I thought was pretty cool, is she was like, you were put on this planet to communicate what you think is cool. Yeah. Which was fun. So I thought I would shout out a discovery of what I think is cool. As you know, I've been really interested in all things fashion and consuming and the sustainability models that are starting to develop through that. And yeah, came across this brand called Four Days, F-O-R Days. Yeah. And it is the first ever closed loop clothing brand. So it's really nice. Uh, fitted t-shirts, sweatshirts, long sleeve tees. And essentially what you do is when you're done with the shirt, you give it back to the brand and then you get another piece from yeah. them for like a very discounted price. You become a member. And they then use the piece you swap back to then go back into their uh, processing facility that then yeah. make new clothes. Yeah. I'm wearing their t-shirt right now. It looks so good. It's a 90s mock tee, which I'm a big fan of. Love As it. we said, I wish I was in the 90s. Yeah. And yeah, so it's just a really fun brand. And I have my eye on these types of things for all of you. I also just want to say the Deborah Silverman reading was so fun. Elizabeth and I have obviously had like a lot of readings together over the years, but you know, as our relationship grows, I think like, and we all just are shifting, whatever. So there's, you know, at different times, certain things become the focus and other times we don't need to talk about those things. And it's it's just funny to see like what different people like zero in on. Totally. We were dying. The main thing of like, probably the only thing that ever really bothers me about our relationship, if I'm being totally honest, is that, is that exact thing. So she's like, Stephanie has so many feelings and needs to talk about them all the time. Elizabeth is very like organized, logical and strategic about processing her feelings and about talking about them and like really won't talk about them until she's like fully like decided. There's been a few times where like you're really struggling and you need that. But I can count those on one hand (laughs) in eight years. So true. So I was dying laughing because she's like, Elizabeth has no air in her chart. And Stephanie's just like fluttering around with air. So she can't shut the fuck up. And she doesn't know when to start talking. And I was like, (laughs) yes, because sometimes I get so frustrated because I can tell that you're looking at me just like, especially with dating, you're always like, why do you need, like, what is this a big deal? Like, why are you, and I'm like, I don't know how to process this without talking about it. Right. And you're, and you're like relating to yourself. But I always want to hold space for you to talk about it. Yeah, but it. sometimes I feel like even though you, in your heart, because you're a good person, you want to hold space for it. Mm-hmm. I can see the look on your face. It's like, why does she need to do this? <laughs> Again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it was just nice to have like, 
physical confirmation yes. that this isn't like you being disinterested or me being a psycho. It's just like, these are the way, the, this is the, the way it crumbled. So if you guys don't know about Deborah, she is a She's delight on Instagram. And we're very, so it's Deborah Silverman underscore astrology. She does these real fun videos and all that stuff. So please check her out. Yeah. And fun um, discovery. she'll be, she'll be coming on to the That's So Retrograde Airwaves Stat. quite soon. Um, what a fun show. I feel like we, we, covered we did it. All the ground. Yeah. We're going to head back to the Cannabis Cafe <laughs> right after this. <laughs> Gotta go. And that's my backyard. No, <laughs> um, And thank you so much to Jesse. Thanks to Steph. Thanks to- Thanks to you. All our listeners. We actually love hearing from you. Yeah. Um, so keep all no, the feedback it's coming. It's a great dialogue. Yeah. Not actually. We do love hearing from you. Yeah. And we always appreciate a review on iTunes. And because that's like currency in the podcasting community. Apparently. As they tell us. Elizabeth uses words like SEO and I don't know what she's talking about. It's okay. We'll talk about it another time. Okay, perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And uh, thanks so much. Love you guys. Namaste listening. Bye. Yes, that's a retrograde.